You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I'm Dave Cover. Sometimes you just need God to hear your prayer. Sometimes you have a sense of need, anxiety, care about something, worry, and you really want to come to God. You're motivated to come to God in prayer. It's not just a desire to pray to draw closer to God, but it's, it is that, but it is propelled, compelled by a sense of need, uh, whether it might be some family situation, something you want God to do in the heart of your family. Maybe they're making bad choices doing something that you just need God to intervene or there's a health issue in their life or a safety issue in their life or something where you need God to hear and answer your prayer. Uh, Maybe it's something in a health situation in your life or an unsure situation health-wise or future-wise that you're worried about. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you're just tired of. Maybe there's a sin in your life you're just tired of and you need God to help you, to free you, to deliver you. Or there's a situation at work and that you're either threatened by or threatens your, your status or threatens in some way, or there's a, a success that you want God to produce at work or a relationship at work, whatever it is. You, these are all a thousand things to worry about. And there's a thousand things to bring to God. And that's why the New Testament tells us to cast all our cares on him because he cares about what we care about. In 1 Peter 5, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, to not be anxious, but to cast your anxieties, to, to, to bring to God whatever it is that is causing you to be anxious. So here's what God is telling us in the scriptures. Nothing is out of bounds for us to bring to God. Nothing's too small. We don't have to evaluate whether this is something God cares about because the Bible says if you care about it, he does because he cares about you. So cast all your cares upon God because he cares about what you care about because he cares for you. That's what 1 Peter says in chapter 5. And that's what we need to have as our motivation, competence, that God wants us to bring this to him. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 when he says, just bring to God everything. He's your father in heaven. And so today I want to look at Psalm 4. It's a Psalm of David. And it's a psalm where we don't know the context, we don't know what his situation is, but we know that he has this sense of need that he's coming to God in prayer. And we see that a lot in his psalms. And I think it's a motivation for us to even challenge our own heart. For me, at least, I get on autopilot. I have a sense of self-sufficiency. I don't, I'm not cognizant of my need for God. I'm doing okay and I'm going through life, and it's not until I have a sense of, you know, dilemma that I think about bringing it to God. Now, that's normal, but I think we want to get beyond that, where we have a sense of talking to God throughout our day about things, just as we would talk to anybody who is with us, because God is always with us. And so David says in verse 1, answer me when I call, O God, O God of my righteousness, he says. God of my righteousness, And I think this is not something we don't want to get confused. He's not saying my righteousness, you're the, you're the God, you're my God because of my righteousness. Let's not get confused. 
it's not by my righteousness that I come to God. It's by Jesus's righteousness. He's the God of my righteousness. He's my righteousness. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray in my name. We pray in Jesus's name. We pray in Jesus's righteousness. We come before God with confidence that he's our father because we are in Christ. Christ is in us. We are praying in Jesus's righteousness. We are praying because Jesus died for our sins and he has taken away our guilt. And so we come before God with a sense of confidence that Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter four, that we can come before the throne of grace to receive help in time of need because of Jesus, not because of us. So we want to have a sense of confidence before God, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. He says, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So that's a good clue that we're not thinking David is thinking of his own righteousness because he's he's appealing to God to be gracious to him and to hear his prayer out of grace. Another translation says in the NIV, be merciful to me. So this is, we're depending upon God's mercy. So when we pray, when we, in our imagination, and I'm not saying we conjure up something that's not real, but in our imagination as Christians, we're seeing with the eyes of our heart something that is real. We're coming before the throne of God, and we're coming before God's righteousness and his holiness and his splendor and his glory and his majesty as the creator of the universe, but also as our Father who is intimate and close. And he accepts us by the righteousness of Christ. We're coming before him because of his grace and because of his mercy toward us in Christ. And so that is why we're coming before the throne of grace, it says in Hebrews chapter 4. We're coming before his throne and we're asking him to hear our prayer and to answer our prayer. And we have this sense of humility, but we also have this sense of confidence that we're coming in the name of Jesus and we're just doing what the Bible tells us to do. We're doing what the Psalms, what the Spirit says in this Psalm. We're doing what Jesus tells us to do, Matthew chapter 6. And we're doing what Peter says to do in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're doing what the Apostle Paul says to do in Philippians 4. So we're just obeying Scripture. We're obeying God. And we're coming before him with our sense of need, whatever that is that you care about, whatever that is that is your sense of need that you're anxious about. But then David gives us a challenge because every sense of need is also a challenge to examine our hearts. So he says in verse, the second part of verse 2, how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Now this is an example of, of what I've said before, that sometimes translators over-translate because they want it to make sense. But I think poetry is meant sometimes to be ambiguous. And so the Hebrew here, when it says, how long will you love vain words, the word words is not in the Hebrew of this psalm. All it says is, how long will you love emptiness? How long will you love what is empty, worthless? So the NIV translates it, how long will you love delusions? So they're closer to the, the ambiguity of the poetry here. But I like how the New American Standard translates it. How long will you love what is worthless? I think that's exactly what David is getting at here. And that is every sense of need in our life that we're bringing before God in prayer is also a, an, an opportunity for us to to examine maybe one of the reasons why we're so tied up in anxiety and worry is because we might be loving something that's ultimately worthless, something that's ultimately empty. It's an opportunity for us to at least examine our heart, 
So he says, how long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception is what the NAS says. How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? The ESV says, how long will you love vain words? But we, we, we've already corrected that and seek after lies. I think that's pretty good. How long will you love what is worthless, love emptiness and seek after lies? Or how long will you aim at deception? The NAS says, or the NIV, how long will you love delusions and seek false gods? I'm sorry I'm getting so bogged down here, but my point is this has always been a verse for me to sober myself, correct myself, examine myself, motivate myself to not aim at deception, to not love what is worthless, to not pursue emptiness, to not have this sense. How long will you love emptiness? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? That's what David is asking. That's what David is being challenged with. That's what we have to challenge ourselves with. How long will you love? How long will I love what is worthless and aim at deception? But he says, but know that Yahweh, the Lord, has set apart the godly for himself. So this is a, a great opportunity for us when we have a sense of need to have the sense that God has this much better purpose, this bigger life for me, this bigger story for me. And I may be getting bogged down in too small of a story. I may be getting bogged down in aiming at what is ultimately worthless and loving what is actually deception. But know, know that God has distinguished me for himself, set me apart for himself, that God has given me a bigger story, that God has called me into this greater story. And so it, it does put my health in perspective. It does put maybe the situation I'm worried about in perspective at work. It does put my sin in perspective. Maybe I'm struggling with this sin because I'm aiming at what is ultimately deception and what is I'm loving what is worthless. So it challenges my heart to make sure I'm seeing my life in the bigger story. I think about this Neil Young song on his album Harvest Moon, which is a great album, by the way, that he recorded in 1992, 20 years after his album Harvest, that he that was his big album in 1972. Uh, he records Harvest Moon in 1992. And he's got a great song in there called Unknown Legend. And the lyrics are, she was an unknown legend in her time. You think about that. I mean, it's an oxymoron, right? Because a legend is known. But she was an unknown legend. In her mind, she was a legend, but nobody knew. She was an unknown legend in her time. Now she's dressing two kids, looking for a magic kiss. It's a great lyric, right? Looking for a knight in shining armor, somebody to come and wake her up, somebody to make her a princess, looking for a magic kiss. She gets the far away look in her eyes. I love the lyric because this woman knows that she was meant for something greater. She has a faraway look in her eyes. She's an unknown legend, and she's looking for a magic kiss, but she's dressed. She's just stuck home dressing two kids. Now, she's lost perspective, but we've, we lose perspective because we know we're created for this bigger story. We're created for something greater, 
And yet we can get bogged down in, in, in loving emptiness and aiming at what is ultimately worthless because we think that's where the bigger story is. That's where the bigger, that's what's going to make our lives bigger. But it ends up being worthless. It ends up being deception because we're forgetting that God is the one who sets apart the godly for himself, that God is the one who has this distinguished purpose for our lives. And that might involve right now the most important task, and that is dressing just two kids. That, that God has us in this bigger story, and we can't see how the smaller things are actually bringing about as steps to the bigger story. But we have this instinct of a bigger story, but we get we get confused. And so we, we neglect the things that God has set us apart to do in order to try to be a legend or in order to try to find the magic kiss. We have a far away look in our eyes and we're never focusing on what it is that God has actually called us and distinguished us and set us apart to focus on right now for his purpose. We're loving what is empty and we're aiming at deception. So in some sense, I do think the NIV is right to translate it. How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. David says, but know, be certain of this. Know that the I am has set apart the godly for himself. He's called you to his own story, this bigger story, this greater story of glory, this greater story of flourishing. And know this, God has set you apart for his purpose, for himself. You're not stuck in a small story. Now, here's the thing. Our worries, our anxieties, these are real legitimate concerns. These are things we care about. So God cares about them because he cares about us, our family, our health, all whatever it is, and finances, all these things we just want to bring to God and we're, we're going to say, God, I want to bring this to you, cast this care on you. And I pray that you would and whatever it is you want him to do. And then you have to say to yourself in some sense, but I don't want to aim at deception. I don't want to love what is worthless. I want your will for my life because I know you have set me apart for something that's a greater glory. You have set me apart for the purpose of God that is eternal. You have set me apart for you, and I'm not going to get stuck in a smaller story with smaller concerns and let those concerns separate me from you, but I want them to draw me near to you, to your throne of grace. So David says, the Lord hears when I call to him. Know two things. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself and know that the Lord hears when I call to him, God is hearing you. He's not ignoring you. You're praying in Jesus' name. He's the God of your righteousness. You're coming before the throne of grace. You're casting your cares on him because he cares about what you care about because he cares for you. The Lord hears you when you call to him. You have to have that sense of confidence because that's what the scriptures are telling you. So David says in verse 5, put your, and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in Yahweh. Put your trust in his will. His goodness, his faithfulness, his love, his concern and care about the smallest detail of your life. And here's what you have to do to put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord that he is in control of all things. You're not stuck in a random universe. God is in control of all things. You can trust him with what happens. He's in control of all things. We examine our heart to make sure 
that we're not aiming at deception. We're not loving what is empty and worthless ultimately, but we know the Lord has called us for his own purpose. He's called us to himself. He's called us into a bigger story. He has set us apart for his purpose. And we know that he hears us when we call to him and we can put our trust in him, his faithfulness, his goodness, his will, and that he is, as Jesus said, Lord of heaven and earth. He controls everything. So the last verse, David says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. So David has gotten everything off of his chest. He said his requests. And now he says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. I can rest. I can submit to his will, to his answer to my prayer. I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to give up. But in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, Yahweh. You alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety, security. You alone make me dwell secure. You alone make me dwell in safety. You alone are my rest. You alone are my security. You alone are my confidence. You alone are my good. You alone are my joy, he says in verse 7 as well. So this is what we want to do when we come before God with our concerns. And so let's do that now. Let me just lead you in a prayer through what we've talked about. You insert the things that you care most about right now in your life. And I'm going to try to let the Spirit of God's words here for us to pray guide us in our prayer with God. So let's do that now. Oh God, God of my righteousness, you are my salvation. You are my righteousness, not me. I don't come before you with my own righteousness. You are the God of my righteousness. I come before you in Jesus' name. I come before you in Jesus' righteousness. Be gracious to me. Have mercy on me. I come before your throne of grace to receive help in my time of trouble right now, my time of need right now. I ask that you would hear my prayer. I ask that you would answer me, that you would hear my prayer. I cast all my anxiety on you right now. I throw it onto your shoulders. I cast all my cares on you because I know you care about what I care about because you care about me. And so I pray that you would hear my prayer, that you would answer me. I don't want to love what is worthless. I want to love you. I want to love what is truly worthwhile. I don't want to love what is empty, what is ultimately worthless. I'm tired of loving what is ultimately worthless. I'm tired of aiming at what is delusional and a deception. I'm tired of living under a spell of delusion and worthlessness, but I want to know that you have set me apart. You have called me to yourself. You have set me apart for your purpose. You have set me apart for your eternal purpose for me of why you created me to exist in your universe forever. That's the story I want to live into. That's the story I want to walk in. I want to walk in the good works that you have prepared in advance for me to walk into. I trust your will for me. I know that you hear me when I call. 
I know that you hear me right now, not because of me, but because you love me in Jesus, because Jesus has given me his righteousness. I come before you and I know that you hear my prayer. I know you care about my prayer. And so I put my trust in you, Lord. I put my trust that you are in control of everything. I put my trust in you that you care about all these cares of mine. I trust your will for me is good. I trust in your goodness for me in every detail of my life. I trust that you are in control and you are good and your will is good in every detail of my life. And I know that you are faithful to me because you love me just as much as you love Jesus. That's what Jesus said in John 17, 24. I know that you love me just as much as you love Jesus and you are faithful to me just as much as you were faithful and are faithful to your son. Be gracious to me. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Answer me, Lord. I know that you've called me to yourself. I know that you hear my prayer. And so in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. I rest secure. I can rest in submission to your will, trusting in your will, trusting that you are my father who knows every detail of my life. You are always with me. You are in control of everything. And you are good and your will is good. And so I can rest. You alone, O oh Lord, are my security. You alone make me dwell in safety. And I dwell securely. I rest in security because you are my security. You are my goodness you are my rest. You are my joy. And Jesus has already come because you want to bless me. And so I look to you now and trust how you answer this prayer. Not my will, but your will be done because your will is way, way, way better than mine, infinitely better than mine. I trust your answer to my prayer because your will is infinitely better than mine. Your goodness is infinite in wisdom and love, and I can trust your goodness. I can trust your will. I can trust you to hear me now. I can trust you to answer me according to your goodwill, according to your faithfulness to me, according to your presence in my life, according to Jesus and everything that he died and rose from the dead to give me. I trust right now that I can dwell securely because you are my security. I can dwell with this sense that you are answering my prayer because you care about every detail in my life and I trust you as my Father. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.